Welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Sam Slater and today I've been joined by Edmund Harris, co-manager of Guinness Emerging Markets Equity Income Fund. Hi Edmund. Hi there. So when people think of emerging markets, it's usually with growth in mind. So what are the income opportunities like? Well, I think within the emerging markets universe, you have quite a diversity of economies, uh, companies and investment opportunities. So you've got countries that are in very different stages of development and countries that have pretty different economic drivers. And the, the income opportunities, I think, uh, come about from those businesses that are well-established, uh, have dominant positions in their uh, particular sectors or industries, and that are not capital hungry. The kind of business that you're looking for to provide uh, a a constant dividend stream is one that is profitable in cash flow terms, is growing its profits, is reinvesting in that business, and is able to provide on the back of that um, a growing dividend stream. And we can find examples of those um, across the universe of of Asian countries across Latin America um, and Eastern Europe and so forth. But I think we are finding more, I would say, sort of two-thirds to one-third um, income opportunities in the emerging Asia regions. Um, and then we're finding the, the other thirds spread across Latin America and um, Europe, Middle East and Africa. And are dividends in emerging markets under threat in the same way as they are in the developed world as a result of lockdown? Yeah, I think the main threat to to dividends in the sort of the first instance is the ability of companies to operate. Um, I mean, there are two elements when looking at investing in sort of sustainable dividends. First are those those companies that have solid financial platforms on which to operate. That means a strong balance sheet. They haven't got high degrees of leverage, that their working capital, the amount that they have to pay for raw materials, the the receivables and the pace in which those convert into cash. The ability to convert those into cash in timely fashion is also very important. That's the sort of the solid financial platform that is needed. And then on top of that, you have the operations themselves, that they are able to, to sell products uh, profitably uh, and they're able to, to grow their business in sort of cash-based terms. Now, in emerging markets, certainly where, where economies are under stress, then there are risks to dividends on, on that score. Um, and I think that is something that is, that is something that is reflected across the world. What we're not seeing in the same way is the, so the regulatory um, interventions where banks, for example, across Europe, um, in the US, in the UK, um, are instructed not to pay dividends, not to, to buy back um, shares and so forth. That is not something that is so evident in emerging markets. So what we need to focus on um, are the sort of the standard risks to dividends. How solid is the company's financial platform, its balance sheet, uh, and how, um, how capable is it of generating sales and operating in these, uh, in these tougher conditions? 
And you mentioned just previously about your holdings in Asia and the quite large weighting you have to that area of the world. Do the ongoing trade wars and negative sentiment towards China in particular worry you in any way? Um, they are a factor. There are sort of geopolitical factors. Uh, there are a lot of them, in fact, um, across the world, and uh, which China is is a part. And certainly, you wouldn't sort of dismiss them or, or minimise them. They are, uh, but I think you need to sort of put them into a a context. Um, tensions between the U.S. and China are particularly focused on the technology area, and there is disruption in those areas. There is also, because of growing trade tensions between China and the rest of the world, um, and also the effects of COVID, there is a reordering of supply chains going on. It's not a deglobalization so much as just a reordering within the region. And so you need to think about it in terms of how it is affecting the particular areas that you're most interested in. And from from my perspective, technology is under pressure, but the sort of the broader industrial complex still seems to be operating okay. Um, and there are many sort of non-contentious areas where I think they're doing fine. So it's it it, it means we need to think about how uh, the next few years will unfold, but it's not a, a, a sort of a cause for for believing that that China is about to suffer significant harm. And you also invest in Latin America and uh, emerging Europe. What are your thoughts on those two regions? Well, Latin America is struggling a lot with um, the COVID um, spread right now, and that is clearly evident in the likes of Brazil, um, in Mexico, in uh, in Peru, and I think you know there, there has been a pretty significant economic disruption. What we are seeing is evidence of some financial flexibility um, in how governments can can respond uh, to the uh, to these, um, and so. I think you know what we need to look at for for our investment in in South America is how these comp- these countries emerge from lockdown. Um, I think there are some good companies um, available to us in the insurance and in the in, in the financial sector. I think it's a bit early to to be looking in some of the the retail side, but those will will be coming through as well. Um, and I think commodity prices and rising commodity prices particularly as China gets back to work, will also help those areas. So at the moment, Latin America is very out of favor. The consensus is is significantly underweight, and they're significantly underweight um, in Africa too. But I think we need to be looking through that now and for, for looking for the emergence and re-emergence. And for example, you know, data coming out telling us that Peru and Chile have the highest number of cases per million of population um, and the slowdown in GDP sort of refers back to, to April time. And we're already seeing improvements coming through in May. So I think we need to, to be looking through that. In Eastern Europe, um, the exposure of the fund is primarily through um, retail and, and sort of consumer staple type uh, retail. 
giving us exposure into Greece, uh, Romania, into the Balkans. Um, and those seem to be doing reasonably well. And I think they are assisted by the fact that Europe is coming together in a way that could mean that over the next couple of years, the European Union will grow faster than the United States, which would be quite it's an unusual set of circumstances. It hasn't happened really since 2005, 6, 7. But Europe has, has come out of this earlier um, and seems to be coping better than the United States at the moment. And so if the EU is coming up and moving back towards a growth path, that exerts a pull on some of the countries in Eastern Europe. And so they, they benefit that because it's their largest sort of trading neighbor. So at the moment, Asia is a sort of consensus overweight. They've been doing better than the other regions. Latin America um, ha has been looking particularly depressed and I think we need to be looking through that. And I think sort of Europe is, has been a sort of a bit of a, a, a dark horse. But I think the, the Eastern European countries now start to, to present some quite interesting ideas. And you have just 36 holdings in the fund. And there's obviously thousands in the emerging market universe. And you've got anything from Colombian and Peruvian banks to, to a Chinese online gaming firm and a South African food retailer. How do you go about narrowing down such a massive universe into mm. just 36 high-conviction holdings? Well, as, I, as we sort of began um, our conversation with you know, where do the income opportunities lie, income opportunities really sort of boils down to sustainable and growing dividends. It's looking for the engines of growth that provide the cash flows and the growing dividend streams. That's that's the, the basis on which you can start to, to be confident um, that dividends will be forthcoming. Um, and to do that, you need to identify good quality businesses. Now, those are ones that have solid balance sheets and those that have a sustainable competitive advantage. And we narrow down the universe of potential stocks from around 4,000 to around 400 names of companies that have generated returns on capital above the cost of capital um, and have done so for an extended period. So in, in this case, for at least eight consecutive years. Those that have done so have demonstrated a capacity to beat back the forces of competition, um, uh, to convert their activities into uh, higher levels of, of profitability. And if they sustained it for eight consecutive years, there is quite a high probability that those returns will persist. And it's the persistence that we are after. So if you've got a good engine uh, that, that you think can persistently generate returns on capital above the cost of capital, so they're creating value, then the dividends that come from that are more likely to be sustained. And so that's our hunting ground. 400 companies with these characteristics, high returns on capital, low degrees of leverage, and a reasonable market size to narrow down that universe and then select from that. And then you're looking at the company itself that, that seems to be doing well and asking yourself why. You know, what's so good about this company? What is the structure of the sector or the industry in which it operates? What is going on in this country of operations? And so how likely are these, to be, uh, these returns to be sustained? So you're looking at it very much from the bottom up, look at what it is you're going to buy, first of all, 
look at the company, then place it in its wider context and decide whether or not you think it can continue to do as well as it has done. Uh, and then ask yourself whether or not the market price reflects that likely persistence of returns. And if it doesn't, then you have an investment opportunity. That was really interesting. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that. Thank you. And if you'd like to find out more about the Guinness Emerging Markets Equity Income Fund, please go to fundcaliber.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please note that these are unprecedented times and markets can react very quickly to news. The views expressed are at the time of recording and could change. Please remember we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or to sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of your listening.